Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Well, Psalm 119, you can write this in your Bible. It really is a celebrated psalm. And it's got wonderful and interesting attributes. As we come to Psalm 119 and we take an in-depth look at all of these verses, I want to remind you once again that it's divided, if you're taking note, into 22 parts. They call it parts or stanzas, okay? So you definitely want to do that, 22 stanzas. But here's what's interesting. It's denoted, if you will, by the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So you've got stanzas, but you've got the alphabet. Each stanza contains eight verses. So the first letter of each verse that, that is with, which gives the name of the stanza. So we'll, look at, we'll basically look at the, the two letters of the Hebrew alphabet, then unpack those verses for that week. So it looks like about 11 weeks or so as we unpack all 176 verses in this one psalm. Okay, so if you're taking note, the psalm encompasses really the meditation, and you want to jot this down, the obedience to the word of God. Not only do we want to meditate, now let me just kind of give you a silly, but a very, um, you'll remember this illustration on how and what it means to meditate on the word of God. If you don't know this or know this, maybe you know, but I was taught that cows have three stomachs. Cows have three stomachs. And when a cow goes to eat grass, do you know what he does? He'll eat some grass and he'll chew it. And then he will chew it for a little while and then he'll swallow it. And then in a few minutes later, guess what he does? He brings it back up. And he starts chewing it again. Then it goes into the second stomach. And a little bit later, guess what he does? Brings it back up and he starts chewing it again. That is the silly definition of meditating on God's word. Because we chew on it and we learn it and we... And then sometimes we're just like, okay. And then we, you're at a stoplight. You're at the doctor's office. You're doing, you've got a, a break and, and what we tend to do is we tend to grab, we all do, church. We tend to grab our phone and, and, and look and, and scroll. But, but what we should do is take a moment and meditate on what we, what we read this morning. Bring it back up. Chew on it a little bit more. Oh, I, oh, I got to go. And so you swallow it back down. And then you come back up and... And chew it a little bit more and you think about it. And that's meditating on the word of God. That's what the psalmist wants us to do. But it also encourages us in the second stanza to be obedient to the word of God. Why? Well, guys, this is super important for the Lord says, jot this down, 138 verse 2, Psalm 138 verse 2 says, I will worship toward the holy temple. I don't know. He's got it up there. There you go. And praise your name for your loving kindness in your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. And so in essence, 
your word above all your name proclaims that God elevates his word above every other name. What an incredible truth. The word of God. The word of God. And I'm so convicted, church, because this is how we are going to get close to the Lord. This is how we're going to know him. Oh, sure, I can see a beautiful sunrise or a beautiful sunset. I can see how beautiful the clouds are. We can see all the beauty of God's creation. But if I'm going to get to know the Lord, it's going to be through his word. But I want to encourage you this way. I think it's so important. There are a lot of times that we'll read the word, but we never let the word read us. And so we simply check off, oh, I read the word today, cool. Oh, I had my quiet time, got my cup of coffee, read it. And, and, and if you're anything like me, your pastor sometimes reads it out of duty and not a desire, a devotion. And I miss what God has for me. I miss it. Oh, what did God speak to you today? Well, oh, uh, well. <laughs> but when we take the time, when we take the time, listen, your devotion life has to be a priority so that you can grow in this world. has to be. You have to take the time to spend time with the one you love. You see, being a Christian doesn't mean, oh, well, okay, now I'm saved. I'm just, okay, you know. I mean, can you imagine? Could you imagine? Can you imagine being married and never telling your wife you love her? Can you never wanting to spend any time with her? But you're married. Oh, no, she knows. She knows. I don't have to tell her every minute. I don't have to, I don't have to hug her. I don't have to, nothing. She knows. She knows. That's not going to fly very far, is it? It's just, why, why do we do this with the Lord? Well, God, no, I don't, I don't need to spend time with him. <laughs> it's all right. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. Guys, there, there are some natural affections to God that we need to exhibit and, and express. You see, that's the whole point of worship. We come in here, and it's been a long day. It's 100 degrees, and we're hot, and some of us got heat stroke, and we're just like, and we come in, and we go, okay, church, I'm here. I don't want Pastor Ben mad at me. I'm here. And, and we miss the worship. We miss the affection of just loving on Jesus. We have the word of God. And this is how we're going to get to know him. Spending time. Letting that. Here's what he says. He says, listen, you've magnified your word. Above everything else. Above everything else. You know, yesterday, um, I was here at the church. And I had to run to the bank. And as I was running to the bank, I got way, I got in the truck, locked the door. I was halfway over here and I realized I didn't have my phone. Let me ask you, what do you think I did? Turned around and came back, right? Why? Need my phone. Well, you're the pastor. Somebody's going to, no, no, no. L- let me just say, I want that to be the word of God. I want to go, you know what? I, 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 I left without my sword. I left, I, I, it's at home, I, I've got to get it, you don't understand. And, and, and get you a Bible that you can just really dig, and mark it up, and you know it, and, ah, it's my Bible, it's my Bible, it's my Bible. We do that with our phones, we do that with everything else. I want, I'm talking to me now, y'all could listen if you want to, 
I want it to be with the Word of God. Well, Pastor, I've got a, I've got a solution. My Bible's on my phone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, cool. If you're one of those extra special people that do not scroll or go anywhere else on your phone, man, more power to you. But <laughs> I need, I need, I need this. I need this. So one Psalm one nineteen. It's 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 just meditation. It's obedience. And other aspects to the psalm is an exhortation to pursue reverence to his word. Prayers for its proper influence, if you will. And really, if you look at it, 176 verses, we're going to see complaints against those who actually despise the word of God. What? Are you serious? There are people who don't, who despise the word of God? There really are. There really are. And I'm telling you, as the world gets darker and darker and darker, can I get an amen on that? Okay, thank you. As the world gets darker, the Lord is going to separate the sheep from the goats. You see, judgment is going to start in the house of God, and he's going to separate the sheep and the goats. And you see that. And and, and so again, there are going to be people who blow our mind that we thought were strong believers that are not. That are actually contrary to the word of God. And you're just like, wait, what? Wait, what? And if you know what's going on in the world, you can see how the enemy has tried to divide us in these last last days. They tried to divide us. How does he divide us? Behaviors and and anyway, that's separate 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 sermon separate sermon. So again, there are those several complaints. We'll look at those. Maybe not tonight, but we'll look at those. Now, if you're taking note, there are two verses. There are two verses: verses one twenty-two and verses one thirty-two, which do not contain some term or description of God's word. Those are the only two in all of the 176 verses. Now, the psalm does not appear to have any relation to any special occasion or any interest in the Jewish church or nation. It's, it's just the psalmist. And he's coming and he's exhorting us to meditate. Okay, now you're going to know what meditate is, right? We already we're going to we're going to remember that. I uh, I see Brenda. She's going to always remember this. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. She she had that look like okay, okay. Um, on the word of God. On the word of God. Why, church? Let's be honest. We have a tendency. We can spend some time with the Lord in the morning. We'll open our Bibles. We'll get our cup of coffee. We'll read a little bit. And the Lord will speak to us. And really, but by, by 8.05 or 9.05 or 10.05, we've forgotten what we've read. That's just how we are. And we have to meditate on the Word of God. So we come to Psalm 119. I'm going to look at the first two letters. Um, remember, if you're taking note, there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. There are 26 in the English alphabet, okay? So it's a little bit different. And so we need to look, and it's going to start off with A, alpha. And so, or, no, I'm sorry, not alpha, aleph. That's the first word. And it correlates actually with our A in the English, but it's going to change after a while. So the first 
letter is Aleph, A-L-E-P-H. You can write that down, first eight verses. Here we go, let's jump into it. The psalmist writes, Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with a whole heart. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to notice that word blessed. I want you to circle that word blessed. Why? Because here it's used twice in these first two verses, and you can write next to it happy or joyful. Happy or joyful. Very, very, very important. Why? Because he's saying happy or joyful are what? Well, he says, are the undefiled. You go, what are the undefiled? Well, you can circle that word, draw an arrow up, and you could put complete. That's what it means, complete. Literally complete, perfect, or sincere. So very interesting as he comes. He said, happy, 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 and joyful are what? Are the undefiled in the way. Well, what are they doing? Well, they walk in the law of the Lord. Happy and joyful are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. Again, another operative word I want you to see, very, very important, because we're going to talk about this in just a minute. He said, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk. Do you see that word walk? Here's the very definition of the word walk. It's called a habitual pattern of living. A habitual pattern of living. Okay? This is what he's saying. Now, the law of the Lord, we can, we can break that down to the word of God. You go, well, Ben, what, is this all, what does this all mean? If you want to be happy, if you want joy in your life, here's what he's saying. He said, happy and joyful are the people of integrity, those that are undefiled, those that are complete, those that are sincere, who follow the instructions of the Lord. That's what he's saying. Happy. Happy. A lot of us aren't happy, are we? I'm just not happy. I'm just not happy. Because we've somehow determined the word happy is a little bit different. Oh, we're just happy. and We we feel like a clown. That's not what he means. But joyful, it's that like, okay, okay. And you know that you go to bed at night smiling because the God of the universe loves you so much. And you're going, okay, wow. Because I really want to follow the instructions of the Lord. Happy and joyful are those who obey his laws and search with, for him with their hearts. Look what it says, guys. It, it, this is just blows my mind because he said, blessed are those who keep his testimonies. That means basically who obey. They're going to keep, obey his word and seek him with the whole heart. The whole heart. And I thought, that's interesting. That's interesting. Why? The writer of the psalm starts off. He starts off his, his letter to us. Declaring happy and joyful, content, we could even say, are those who obey the word of God to keep his testimonies, to keep the word of God, to seek him. You go, what does that mean? To search for him with all of our hearts. Your attention, please. 
How many times do we say, I'm going to pray about this, but we're not seeking God in this prayer? Did you pray about it? Yeah, I prayed. I, I just, on my way to work, I prayed, Lord Jesus, just, but he's saying, we need to seek him. We need to seek him. We need to, uh, for me, I, the story that comes to mind is I remember uh, I was a young teenager and um, for some reason I was at Walgreens. I left Walgreens, I went home and I couldn't find my wallet. I realized that my wallet, and I literally searched every inch of my room looking for my wallet. Do you guys know what you're talking about? And you go back and search things you actually searched before. Like you check your pockets three or four times thinking, it's not there. But we'll search, we'll search. Now, I'm, I'm in the dirty clothes and the hamper looking, it's got to be here, it's got to be here. And it wasn't there. You go, where was it? That's not the point. <laughs> the point is I lost it at Walgreens, but I was searching every inch of my room. And so the question is, have you ever searched for something like that? An important document. Oh, I, gotta, I know it's here. I know it's here. I know it's here. <laughs> Isn't it amazing the things we find when we're looking for something else? You know, hey, look at this. And then we get sidetracked and we forget what we're looking for. I know I have the title to the car here. So, well, look at this. That's cool. Remember this picture? And we get totally sidetracked. But the point is, guys, is he's saying, he's saying, are you searching for God with all of your heart? Are you searching for God with all of your hearts? So this is so amazing. Why? Because everybody's looking for the secret of happiness and God just gave it to us. He said, you want everlasting happiness? He said, he said, search for me, obey me. But then like the Ginsu knives, you remember the Ginsu knives commercial? But wait, there's more because there is more. How do you know? Look at verse four, three and four. He says, they also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Guys, circle that word walk again. I'll come back to it in just a minute. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Now, this is key. This is key. Why? It's because we, we need to understand the psalmist says that also they do no iniquity. Well, you go, well, I'm out, right? Because I sin. Not that we're free from indwelling sin. We got that. We're still going to sin. We still stumble. We still fall. I understand that. Nor are we free from the acts of sin. Nor that what we do are not sins. Here's what he's saying. But do not make a lifestyle. Do not make it a lifestyle of sinning. It's not the course of their lives. Nor do they sin with ease, pleasure, without reluctance or remorse as others do. You cannot be characterized by sin. That's what he's saying. He's saying, look, he's saying, they, us, also do no iniquity. Do you guys remember iniquity? Iniquity is knowing exactly where the sin is, knowing the line. It's not that you stumble on and you trespass. It's going, oh, I know this is the line. 
I know this is sin. I'm going to do it anyway. You go, well, Ben, true confession. I do it sometimes. I do it sometimes. Can I get an amen? Amen. But you're not characterized by that. That's not your lifestyle. That's not your lifestyle. Because if it was your lifestyle, then you would be a hypocritos. You'd be a hypocrite. You say, oh, praise the Lord. Oh, I'm going to go over here and do this. Praise God. Oh, And, And we talked about that all on Sunday. We talked how Jesus came with the harshest message to the Pharisees, to the, to the Sadducees, to the scribes, because they were putting on the mask. They were completely somebody else on the inside. And he's saying, he's saying, don't do that. Don't do that. They, the, the people who meditate, the people who worship, the people who obey God's word, they don't want any part of iniquity. It's not a lifestyle. It's not what they're characterized by. Well, what are they characterized by? Well, they walk in his ways. What was the word walk? An habitual pattern in his ways. An hab- habitual pattern uh, in his ways. Now I thought I started. I started meditating on that habitual, you know, habits. So I, I got on the internet and I said, okay, so like, what? How do we form habits? Like, how do we do this? Like, because I, I want to walk with God. I want to walk in, in, in that pattern. So how do I do this? So I found psychology today, and it says how we build habits. And there was just a small article. He says first and foremost, there are what we call passive habits. Passive habits. And those arise from exposure to things we eventually get used to. You go, well, like what? High-altitude climbers gradually adapt their bodies to lower levels of oxygen available to climb above 7,000 feet. Eventually, they're there, and that's how you... And it's passive. It's, it's, it's basically a, a passive habit. Oh, well, I, I adapted. I adapted. Those of us in Lubbock, Texas, we've adapted to the 100-degree weather. It's a passive habit. (laughs) But I find interesting. It goes on and says there's active habits. You go, what's an active habit? Those who develop by repeated intention and effort. Let me say that again. Jot this down. This would be good. Active habits are those we develop by repeated intention and effort, crystallizing as skills we perform with little or no thought. Let me give you an example. A gymnast practices walking, jumping, and flipping on a narrow beam until she can do all these maneuvers smoothly without failing. Practice, 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 practice. You go, but Ben, what, what, what's the point? The word of God just told us that we are called to walk. What does that mean? Developed, our walk should be developed by repeated intentions and effort. Ooh, this is good. What do you mean? Church, this is a great lesson here. You ready? Salvation is free. You go, amen. But we must put in the work in order to walk in his ways. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? We have to put in the work. So let me just say, just so we're crystal clear, we don't work for our salvation. We're saved by grace through faith. 
But in order to walk in integrity, in order to walk in obedience to the word of God, in order to walk in his paths, we have to put in the work. We have to put in the work. I wish that you could put your Bible under your pillow at night and you would retain and develop knowledge of God's word. I wish you could sleep with your Bible clutched to your heart and you would wake up and be obedient to the word of God. It doesn't work that way. We have to put in the work. Now, I know what you're thinking. You go, what work? What work? Listen, let, let's, let's just, I, 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 this, is, this, is what, uh, this is what Pastor Sof says. He always says, let's do, let's do a spiritual inventory. Let's, let's check our hearts, okay? Let's check our hearts. First and foremost, guys, are, are we doing a daily Bible reading? Are you reading the word of God daily? You go, why? Well, that's because, because this is how we're going to grow in, in love for God's word. We have to ask the Lord, God, give me, stir up a hunger for your word even more. Stir up a hunger. That's what I want. And really what it should be, it should be so different. Like, like when you and I, we go out to eat, right? And, and we overdo it. Anybody ever do it? Overdo it? And you're just like, oh my gosh, I've ate, I just ate too It was so good, I ate too much. Well, for, for just a moment, you're walking like this and you're going, I'm never eating again. I'm never eating again for the rest. I am never eating again. And guess what happens? A few hours later, you're hungry again. It works opposite with the word of God. The more you read the word of God, the hungrier you get. You don't get full and go, oh, okay, I'm full. You go, ah. And so, so we, we, we need to have that daily Bible reading, but not just to read the Bible. I know so many people who have read the Bible can quote scriptures, but they don't know God. You know them too. Well, over in Ezekiel and over in Jeremiah and all this stuff, but they don't know God. It's the same thing that we talked about on Sunday. The Pharisees, listen, if you were going to play Bible trivia with the Pharisees, Old Testament only, you would get smoked. You understand that. They, were, they, knew, they knew the Pentateuch. They memorized the Pentateuch. You and I, we don't even memorize our <laughs> stuff. What, where do I live again? I don't know. You know, I mean, we just, we just but, but, but the point is, and see, it's going to come up later in just a minute. They knew the word of God, but they didn't know God. And your daily Bible reading is not something you just check off. It's something you go, man, this is how I want to know God. This is how I want to know God. It works on our relationships. Why wouldn't it work with our relationship with God? Do you remember when you were dating? You remember when you were dating? You'd be on the phone all night. Oh, I love you. I love you. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you. You hang up. I love you. And you wanted to know all, everything it was. That's why we call it dating. Okay, so just tell me about you. <sighs> really? Wow. And, and, and you just, it was a relationship. You built a relationship. When we're building a relationship with God, we need to get to know God. How do you know God? Through the word of God. Number two, prayer and listening. Prayer and listening. I think that's important, right? 
That's, that's how we build a habit, prayer and listening. You go, listening to who? Guys, when we pray, we need to listen to God speak to us. Oftentimes, it's amazing that you'll pray, but pray with your Bible open so he can speak. He might tell you, turn to Jeremiah. He might tell you, go to Ephesians. He might tell you, hang out in Galatians, whatever he tells you. This is your relationship, but listen to what he says. It's a relationship. You go, what else? Well, the third thing is Bible study in church. Bible study in church. It's important to come and be part of a Bible study. It's important to come on a Wednesday night. It's important to take notes. It's important to, to attend church. Why? Because we've got to do the work. We've got to do the work. Well, Pastor, you just want people to come. Well, of course I want people to come because we're teaching the Word of God. And then you can grow. And then you can be a world changer as you impact the world in your in your family, in your neighborhood, in your community, whatever God has for you. That's where we're at. Number four, I think it's important, fellowship with other believers. Fellowship with other believers. Proverbs 27 and 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. It's important to hang out with other believers, and that's, that's really the essential of the men's fellowship. We want to sharpen each other. We want to encourage each other. We want to lift each other's arms. There's, we come in Saturday morning and we're beaten and we're broken and, 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 and some men have had a rough week and we come in and we pray and we... You've got to have fellowship with other believers. Yeah, but, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of phony Christians. Just have fellowship with other believers. Enjoy the time. There's people that you're going to hit it off with. You guys got that. You're going to hit it off. It's like, wow, we just hit it off. And there's other people you're not. That's okay, but they're still encouraging. But I think the koinonia, the fellowship, because what happens? What happens when you, when you hang around other believers? You may start off talking about sports. You may talk, start off talking about work. But where, did it, where does it always come to? Where do believers always bring it back to? The Lord. The Lord. Oh, let me tell you about this. Let me tell you about the Lord. It's so good. This again is speaking of walking in, in the salvation that you have received from the Lord Jesus. You're walking. And, and again, think about what he says. I, I, I want to show you again. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Now, one of the things that we have to remember is the word repent. And you go, why? Because repent is often a very misused word. What do you mean? It's good for us to be sorry for our past sins. I'm sorry. But repent means that you will turn from that old way of life and walk in a brand new way of life with Jesus. A brand new way. In the new life, he will not only be with you, but he'll be in you. He'll be in you. It goes on in verse 5. He says, oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. If you're a highlighter, underliner, this is incredible. Why? I want you to notice what the psalmist writes. He says this, ready? 
Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees or the word of God. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life to your commands. This is, this is, this is good. This is good. Let me ask you a question, church. If we were to compare our life to the word of God, you ready? Right now. Would we feel guilt and shame? Would we feel guilt and shame? This is what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, no, 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 listen, those are products of sin. But he's telling us, he's going, look, 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 look. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into your commandments. Now, I, before we jump in, I need, to, I need to dissect commandments because it's the Hebrew word, it's mitzvah. It's the Hebrew mitzvah. And it's one of eight terms for, for Yahweh's, if you will, God's direction here in 119, Psalm 119. So it's one of eight. And it comes with the verb meaning to command. So the term occurs only in the plural in Psalm 119 as a collective sense of all the specific commandments that we can, should, and be observed. Okay? So really, we are to walk, we are to compare, we are to look into our life to what Jesus' direction is for our life. And so our prayer, my prayer for each one of us is that our behavior... And our actions would constantly reflect God's word and Jesus' direction for our lives. We never want to say, if I were to compare my life to the word of God, I would be ashamed. You go, but, but I'm a sinner. No, 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 I am. But we don't want to constantly be characterized by that. We want it to line up, and we want to reflect what God's word says. Ooh, come on. Just like, just like the moon, we need to be moon, right? We need to be giant reflectors of the word of God. This is how our lives should be. This is how we should walk. This should be our habits. This should be our habits. Yeah, someone came up to me the other day and needed counseling. What did you do? I took him to the word of God. Someone said they needed prayer. We stopped and we prayed right there. Praise God. This is, this, yeah. this is what we should be characterized. We're Christian. Do you know what Christian means? It means Christ-like. We're Christians. We're Christ-like. And again, this is what we sh- we're reflecting Christ. I say, oh. Man, do you guys remember the rage, all the big rage? It was the, it was the bands, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And everybody had them, and what would Jesus do? And what would Jesus do? But nobody did what Jesus did or would do. But that's what he's telling us to do. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Well, it goes on in verse 7. He says, I will praise you with the uprightness of my heart, the psalmist says. When I learn of your righteous judgments, I will keep your statues. Oh, do not forsake me. Utterly, man, this is even better. Why? Notice what the psalmist says. He says, as I learn the word of God, as I learn your righteous regulations, he says, I will give thanks to you by living as I should. By living. You see, your life right now is a big thank you to the Lord just by simply living right. 
You're saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you as I learn this. And not only that, he says, but, but I will obey your word. And I love what the psalmist says. I love what the psalmist, because he, he knows our heart. He says, oh, please don't give up on me. Please don't give it. Don't forsake me utterly. Please don't give up. Lord, don't give up on us. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. We're, we're struggling a little bit. Some of us are walking with a limp. Some of us are just crawling. Some of us are walking a little bit slow. But we're going to get there. Oh, Lord, don't give up on us. Don't get, I love the way David said, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And I understand that was Old Testament. The Holy Spirit wasn't given in the New Testament. But that's how I feel. Lord, don't take the Holy Spirit from me. I need him as a guide. I need him to, to bring all of this to remembrance. Remembrance. Teaching and learning is one of the major themes of Psalm 119. And the psalmist pleads to God, teach me your directions. Psalmist pleads. He, he seeks for God. He searches for God. He, oh, Lord, teach me. Teach me. Teach me your direction. Teach me your ways, Lord. Show me. That's the first stanza. The second stanza, we have the, it's the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's Beth, okay? So Aleph and Beth, B-E-T-H, these next eight verses explore the theme of keeping a pure conduct by internalizing the word of God. Not only that, but responding to it verbally, verbally. So we jump from obeying and meditating on God's word to purity, to purity, to having a pure conduct. Exactly, this is what he's saying. Now, if I were to break this down, these next uh, verses 9 through uh, 16, or really 9 through 12, pure conduct is directly related to following God's direction. He's saying, how, do, how am I going to be pure? How am I going to live right? How am I going to behave? He says, oh, oh, by learning and obeying the word of God. By learning and obeying the word of God. Church, listen. This is the most important thing in our lives. You want to be happy? Keep his word. You want to be happy? You want to be joyful? Man, obey his word. Now, you want to be pure? Dun, dun, dun. This is a lot of place we all struggle. And again, we're not only talking sexually or anything else. We're just talking, just having a pure mind. The Bible says, to the pure, all things are pure. So you're not looking at the, the, the distorted, the disgusting things in life. You have a pure heart. And he's going to tell us how. He's going to tell us how. I, wanna, I want my conduct to reflect God. I want my conduct to reflect God. Now, and I don't want it to be a phony thing either. I don't want it to be, oh, look at you. He's all, all holy. He comes behind the pulpit and he places his hand just very, and he's holy. How are you doing? But I get out in the golf course and I'm throwing clubs and I'm kicking and I'm, that's, no, that, it's two different people. Our conduct should be becoming of the word of God. Of the word of God. 
I like what Warren Wiersbe writes, and I'm going to quote him because he says it just better than I do. He says, the whole section from verses 9 to 16, listen to this, deal with victory over sin. Victory over sin. Young people, listen up, young people in particular need to learn to heed and hide the word that they might overcome temptation. As you read the word and meditate on it, it cleanses your inner being just as water cleanses the body. End quote. That's what Warren says. I can say it any better than that. I can say it any better than that. Now, Beth, you ready? Verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Wow. Here's what I want you to know. If you're taking note, draw this next to you, this verse. You note that it's deeply personal. He's writing and he's, he's literally confessing. Hey, Lord, how can, our, how can our young people, how can we, cle- how can we cleanse our ways? I, I'm defiled. I've got... And the psalmist says, oh, I know. By what? By obeying your word. By taking heed according to your word. Why? Well, obedience, guys, obedience, obedience seems to be the theme here tonight, right? So in order to obey, the first thing we have to do is believe. You cannot obey without a good belief system. You go, yes, I can. Then look, guess what you look like? Then you're just going through the motions because you don't believe it. You're just going through the... Uh, well, I'm reading the Bible today. And you read it, but no, no, no. You, you, is that how we approach it? No, no, no. Here's why. Here's why. Here's why. Listen. In a recent Gallup poll, only 81% of Americans say they believe in God. And this is an all-time low. You go, 81? That's pretty good. You see, when they first asked this question back in 1944... 98% said they believed in God. And we keep dropping. And I had to ask myself, why? Why aren't people believing in God? Why? Ask yourself this question. Ponder this point tonight. Why? What's changed? What's changed? You go, well, culture's changed. Information technology's changed. We have the internet. We have Facebook. We have this. We have social media. We have all this. But really, what's changed? And I think the psalmist is trying to hit it on the head for you and I. We can grab this application. You go, what's that? What's changed is that too many people were claiming to be Christians, but they were living like there wasn't a God. And people saw that and go, really? This is what... I talked to a friend today. I talked to a friend today, and, and, and I asked him this question. I asked him this question. I said, am I your only Christian friend? Am I your only Christian friend? And he says, no, I, I have a couple of others. We were talking about friends. And he says, I, and, and he's not a Christian yet. And uh, he said, I have a couple of others. And I said, oh, really? And he goes, well, uh, uh, these people, these friends of mine, but they're Catholic. I said, no, 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 I'm talking about born-again Christian. He goes, yeah, I understand. And he says, but these people, I go over to their house, and they're Christians. They go over, and he named the church. And I said, is that 
place that you go and drink with? And he said, oh, yeah, that's, that's where we garage drinking. We go and, and, and I said, really? And so this, this dialogue started happening. Well, it's not a sin to have a beer. It's not a, have a, sin, a sin to have a couple of beers. It's not, it's not, you know, it started. And I said, okay, okay. I said, but here's what the Bible says. The Bible says drunkenness. Does, does this person get drunk? And the obvious answer was yeah. We can't be Christians like that. We can't. Because we're causing people to stumble. We're, we're displaying, we're not reflecting God's word. And hell is a very real place. I'm not saying that we got to be perfect. I'm not saying, again, I am not saying that we're perfect, but I'm saying, is my life reflecting that so that I, so other people can read the word of God in my life? That's what I want. Yeah, but you're not perfect. Exactly. Because in the word of God, there's forgiveness and there's mercy and there's grace and, and they can see it in my life. But, but I don't want to say, hey, I'm this, 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 and then I live like this, this, and this. Because people see that. And you've heard it said, I don't know how true it is, but some people said, you're the only Bible that people will read. You're the only Bible that people will read. And you have to be so careful and you have to be very cautious and you have to, you have to know how to approach it. And sometimes you approach people with kit gloves and, and, you, and you explain the word of God. You don't come in real hard and say, boom, boom, let me tell you, you're going to hell. You're going to hell, you, you big sinner. That's not how the Bible says it's, it's your kindness, O oh Lord, that leads me to repentance. It's when I do bad. It's when I do bad and then God still loves me and blesses me. Oh my goodness, that's worse, is it not? Because you're expecting the hammer to fall. Lord, I, I sinned, I sinned, okay, ow, ow. And he blesses me. <sighs> Lord, I'm sorry. Sorry, Lord. I repent. I repent. So we behave how we believe. And you go, well, Ben, what does, what does obedience mean? Well, here, in simple terms... It means hearing the word of God and acting on it. Hearing the word of God and acting on it. That's, that's the one of them. Number two, it implies aligning our will to God's will. Doing what God asked us to do. How, how silly is that at times when we go, well, God, I know your will. Here's my will. I want you to align your world to my will. That's silly. And the number three it's when we completely surrender to his authority and base our decisions and actions on his word. So why'd you do that? I studied, I sought the Lord, and that's why I made that decision. I made that decision. When we completely surrender. Lord, your authority in my life. Your authority in my life. Well, what, what, what decision do you need to make? I'm going to base it upon the word of God and I'm going to obey according to the word of God. 
Now, let me very quickly, very quickly give you a few reasons why, a few reasons why obedience is important. Number one, Jesus calls us to obey, does he not? He calls us to obey. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. If you love me, you will keep my commands. Number two, obedience, check this out, is an act of worship. Obedience is an act of worship. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Number three, God rewards obedience. God reward. Did you know that obedience is an act of worship? Sometimes we go, well, it's just worship. It's worship. We're singing. We're singing, right? You feel like Buddy the Elf. We're singing, and I'm here. That's not worship. That's, that, that, that. Obedience is worship. When people see you do and obey the word of God, it's, a, it's an act of worship. But not only that, number four, obedience proves our love to God. Now, I don't have time to develop this, but you can look at First and Second John. It kind of talks about all of this. Obedience proves our love for God. I can't see God. I can see God. How can I see God? I can see God through your obedience to him. Isn't that amazing? You're obedient. Well, how do I know that you love God? Because you're obedient to him. You're obedient to some spirit in the sky. No, no, no. See, it's more than a spirit in the sky. It's a, it's a relationship he has. And now I want that. Because I see how God has blessed your life. I see how God's blessed. I want that. And that's the magnet. That, tell, tell me, sister, what, why do you have what you... I want what you have. Because I see something different in you. I see something different. Verse 10. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Notice what he's saying. He's saying, listen, with my whole heart, man, I'm looking for you. And he says, please don't let me wander. There's there's an old song, and uh, I didn't write down his name, but I bet there's an old lyric and old hymn that says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And uh, I always sing that right? But I wonder if he got it from here. Now, now don't quote me because I really don't know if he got it from here. But I know the psalmist says, he says, I've tried really hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your word. Don't let me wander from your word. We're going to move on very quickly, but I want to ask you a question. What are some things in your life that allow you to wander from his word? What are some things? Jot them down in your own heart. Do with God. What are some things? What are some habits that you have that are pulling you away from God's word? Verse 11. Your word, notice, I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statues. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. Wow. Notice what the Lord is declaring. We must carefully treasure the word of God, declare it to others, meditate in it, and heartily delight in it. And then by his grace, we shall act according to it. But I want to camp out in just a moment because on verse 11, because your word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. Now, not only have I heard and read it, but I received it into my affections. And I've mixed it with my faith, and I've laid it up in my mind, and I've had it memory for future use. That's what he's saying. I've hidden it. I know the word of God. I've hidden it. Not sure if David wrote this psalm, but I know the psalmist says, to hide God's word in your heart. Two reasons. He gives us one. 
so that we don't sin. You know how hard it is to sin when you're quoting scripture? You know how hard it is to sin when you, the word of God is right before you and you have all this? He goes, man, I'm not going to sin against you. I know your word. I love your word. I love you, Lord. But also to have the word of God that you be able to reflect the word to other people. How important is scripture memorization? How important is that? It helps us remember. You go, well, why? Well, guys, the word of God is the most powerful antidote against sin when it's placed in the heart. When it's placed in the heart. Verse 14. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate in your ways. I will delight myself in your statues. I will not forget your word. Now, I think this is a great idea for tonight. We got just a few minutes, but let us take some time to meditate and to reflect on his ways. Because he says this, I will delight in your ways and not forget your word. So as we close, here's what we're going to do. The worship team can make their way up here. We'll turn the lights down low. I just want to take a few minutes to meditate. Just just to pray. Lord, where are we? Now, next week, we're going to look at verses 17 through 32. The next two letters of the Hebrew alphabet. But let's do this. Let's just, we, we've, got, we've got 12 minutes. And the last song that they sing won't take very long. But if, but if the psalmist says here, if he says, I will meditate on your precepts, then first and foremost, God, speak to us. Speak to us. As I contemplate your ways, and then take a moment to delight yourself in him. And don't forget his word. So we're going to do that. We're going to sit quiet before the Lord. In the quietness of your heart, just ask the Lord now. Lord, where am I with you? You might want to ask the Lord, how are things between us? You might want to ask the Lord tonight, show me my blind side. Show me the things I can't see. Some of us this evening might want to ask the Lord, Show me my heart. Am I reflecting you, Lord, or am I reflecting me? I want to grow. Do you, some of you might just need to just, just show your affections to the Lord. You just stand in awe of him and, and, and tell him you love him. Tell him you're sorry. Tell him you praise him. Whatever God wants to do, this is our time just to meditate. Maybe you need to confess. Maybe there's, we haven't been obedient to his word. Maybe we've fallen short and tonight's the night he's calling you back. He's saying, hey, hey, I want you to come back. 
Maybe tonight is the night that you've been waiting for all week just to, just to be right with God. And what I love about God is there's no condemnation. He's just calling us home. He just says, hey, you want to be joyful? You want to be happy? Let's just meditate. Let's meditate on what we've learned. Lord, I don't want to cut anyone too short, so if you still need to do work with God, that's fine. We're going we're gonna to sing one last song. Feel free to stand or sit or kneel or do whatever you need to do with God. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. He loves us so much. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.